to Anita opening day. We've got a Santa Anita preview show here for you. We're going to get this one out nice and early. It is December the 22nd, early in the morning on Wednesday, recording this. We'll be talking all about Santa Anita's opening day. Emily Gullickson is going to join me to talk about all the stakes races on the card. So about half of the card with Emily, we spend over an hour going through the six of the six of the races on the 11 race card at Santa Anita. Merry Christmas. Hope everyone's doing well. A couple days out from uh, the big holiday. And normally on That's What G Said, each episode has a bunch of different stuff. That'll how that'll be the template for this show always moving forward, like 95 to 99% of the time. But here and there around the holidays or certain times when there's big events going, we'll do a little more focus. And right now, it's Christmas. We have these entries out for Santa Anita early. The morning lines aren't even out, <laughs> the program numbers and stuff, but we've handicapped the races. Emily gets into the races early with me. I'm already done with the handicapping, so I figured let's put this out early for folks who are driving around during the holiday, for people who are you know, uh, doing some last-minute shopping, cooking up, and you need a little podcast to listen to in the background. You can hear some of our thoughts on that Santa Anita card to help you get ahead and to help start kind of getting some of those thoughts to percolate there. So we will go through the entire Santa Anita card for opening day. I'll go through some of the early part of the card, and then Emily hangs out with me to talk about all those stakes races. We spend yeah, about an hour, hour, 15 minutes or so, talking about Santa Anita December the 26th for opening day. So just a few days, uh, actually, I guess, I'm recording this early Wednesday. On Thursday, I'll have the next episode out where we have our weekly NFL previews with Eric, and then Chad talks wrestling with us, so we'll get your normal weekly segments that you have uh, coming up on the next episode, but since I had this early, I figured why wait a day and a half before I get it out, let's just put it out now, especially because we talked about it without the morning lines and stuff, It's I don't think there's anything that's going to be too crazy in any of the races that, that shocks us, but it's always funny that I'm sure as soon as I post this, the morning lines will come out, who knows, I honestly don't know when these entries come out so early, they may not come out until Thursday, Friday, who really knows, um, as uh, I said, Wednesday morning while we're recording this episode of That's What G Said that is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas. Give them a follow at BTV Bets every single day. They have that public prop where they're giving away wagers. If those wagers hit, you keep the money. They give uh, away to one lucky participant every single day, and all you have to do is follow along, like, and retweet those. We have live streams where we're we provide information, you know, previews for big games in college football and in pro football. I've been the host for every single pro football game preview so far this year. Knock on wood, I'm going to try to keep that streak a rolling. Everything's free over at BTV. You can sign up. You can create an account. It's not a wagering site. It's just a place where you go to create videos where you can check out free content from other people. So um, you're not going to be getting a bunch of ads or anything there. You're going to go. You're going to post your selections. And if you win the week, if your selections have the best ROI, you get 250 bucks just for posting. It doesn't cost you anything. Nothing to enter, no weird hidden fees or anything like that. It's the free weekly showdown. Check it out over at betterthan.vegas. One of the longtime sponsors, that's what G said. Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, Cindy Carava. She can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can uh, you know, help connect you with the right kind of vendors if you're looking at home improvement. Maybe you you know, you know, need help with a gardener or a, a painter or a landscaper. She knows the type of people that she has experience with. She's used in her own homes. 
Maybe you need help with a a loan. She'll connect you with the right kind of lender that can get you pre-approved for that loan. CindyCarava.com is the website. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Now we're going to hear from a couple more of the sponsors of That's What G Said, and we're going to get into Santa Anita for opening day, December the 26th. So you want to set the mood. You're looking for something all natural. Soy wax. Non-toxic, baby. Sense for every season. Now don't be afraid, baby. Just spell it out. C-E-R-A candles. Dot com. And don't forget, promo code Gino gets you 10% off. Mmm. Mmm. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf past performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today.
get those entries in and play race win we'll have some more information and some stable dual plays for you on the next episode of that's what g said now let's get into san anita opening day sunday december the 26th now it's at 11 o'clock a.m pacific time because there are 11 races there there is also holiday racing on monday december the 27th 10 races so the post time on monday 11 30 a.m pacific time there's a holiday schedule that's a little different over the next couple weeks. There's also racing on Thursday, December the 30th at 12.30. Friday, December the 31st at 12.30. Saturday, January the 1st at noon. And Sunday, January the 2nd at 12.30. So that's the upcoming racing schedule. Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's what we've got coming up at Santa Anita starting December the 26th, 11 a.m. And check those post times because they fluctuate a little bit based on the amount of races there. 11, 11.30. Then we flip back to 12.30 on Thursday and Friday. And on a Saturday to noon, Sunday back to 12.30. Let's go into the Showviver contest. There are the Showviver games. They are back $7,500 in prizes in the Showviver games coming up throughout this Santa Anita meet. So if you go to SantaAnita.com and you click on events, you can see handicapping contest. If you click on handicapping contest, you'll see the Santa Anita Pick'em and the Show Viver under more contest below some of the live money contests. So you'll see the live money contest. Scroll down. You see more contest, the Pick'em and the Show Viver. We'll talk about the Pick'em in just a second. First up, the Show Viver, December 26th through the end of the meet in June. So there are five different ways you can win in here. Let's take a look at how you can play. Now, every day you select one horse from one race and you will be in the categories below. The show streak, the player that has the longest show streak at the end of the meet wins a grand prize of 2500 Now, folks, this is all free stuff. So all you have to do is remember to make your pick. Show streak makes consecutive selections that finish first, second, or third. If you fail to make your selection, the streak is still alive, but you don't get credit. So if you forget, you're not out of it, but you just don't get you know an, an extra winner for that day. The win streak is the same, but just for winning. And the player who has the longest win streak at the end of the meet wins $1,000. Doesn't cost you anything. Total wins. The player with the most total wins at the end of the meet wins $500 prize. The highest single win payout at the end of the meet, wins a $500 prize. And total win earnings, the player that accumulates the highest total dollar amount won based on their selections at the end of the meet, wins this category. So if you're someone who, maybe you're unlucky, you're picking winners a lot, but big price ones, you just have a really good run, but you're not necessarily the the winner each time you don't win any of the categories, if you build up the points long enough, you will accumulate enough to win that total win earnings. There are also the monthly win earnings. In addition to competing in the season-long show Viver, players automatically are entered in a new monthly contest, total monthly win earnings. Um, check some of those out. The show Viver contest is back. Now, uh, another key to this as we kind of hang around and uh, look at the the show Viver, how to play, and then the official rules. So you got to get your entries in before the first race starts, 10 minutes before. So that's the, that's your, your lockout time. Sign up, create your profile, 
you'll have to verify you'll have your you know you'll, you'll create your entry and you'll have your name and you have to make sure your horse is selected 10 minutes before five different ways to win longest show longest win most total wins most uh the win earnings and highest single win payout you've got the new monthly contest that i was mentioning so those will uh, those will be paid out at the end of January, at the end of February, March, April, May, and June. And look at all those prizes. It doesn't cost you anything. 2500 longest show streak, 1000 for the win streak, 500 for the total wins, win earnings, highest single win payout. And then if you win those monthly win earnings contests, you get a free entry into the $500 live money contest at Santa Anita. So one winner per month gets entry into the next live money contest which is really cool. Think about that. You could turn that free entry, go play live on track at Santa Anita and really parlay that into quite a bit. So make sure before you, you know, you check out all the rules and stuff. If you have a horse that gets scratched, you end up getting the betting favorite in that race. You, because it's a a, a contest, they're not going to want to let you pick really short fields that have fields of four and five. So you have to have fields that are at least, was it seven? So yeah, the event, um, that a, a a race draws six or less, that race is ineligible for contest purposes. If a horse, if a race has seven and then it scratches down, you can use one of the horses in that race. Uh, the race is still eligible. So, yeah, if uh, scratches occur thereafter, a race is still eligible. Make sure to read all the fine print there for the show viver. We're gonna have a live stream coming up this week and every week for the Santa Anita Pick'em contest. These are really fun because these are prop contests that combine horse racing and sports props. So, for example, the December 26th game, because that's a Sunday, there are going to be a ton of football props on there, you know, betting lines, picking teams against the spread or the total or particular props about team total yards or total points or even some stuff with individual players. And then it'll have things like, you know, pick the winner of race six at Santa Anita, pick the winner of race eight at Santa Anita. Um, what's the hot, what race will produce the highest price winner on the card? All sorts of weird, fun things. And every Saturday, every Sunday and holiday Monday, they will have these contests, $500 given away if you are the winner. And if you make the most total selections, you will win $2,000. Wow. So you create your account, sign up, email, cell phone, and pick your winners on the card. If you have any questions, you know, come on over to Twitter. It's me, Gino B. I will show you literally how to build it and exactly where you go on the website, what the props look like, how you put your entry in, pickem.sananita.com. Get that uh, entry form filled out. This is another one. It is totally free. Won't cost you a cent. Santa Anita, $500 for Sunday, Monday, and then every weekend and holiday Monday moving forward, they'll be giving away 500 bucks to the winner. Santa Anita, those pick'em contests, get those entries in for that. They are free. There's the Live Money Opening Day Challenge. It's a $1,500 buy-in. You can play at Santa Anita and Express Bet's Live Money Tournament, NHC Ultimate Betting Challenge, and cash prizes. 100% of the entry fees are paid out. A couple other things to note for Santa Anita. Golden Hour Bets are back opening weekend. So those wagers that combine the last two races of Golden Gate Fields and the last two races of Santa Anita, 
the $5 minimum for the double, a dollar minimum for the pick four with that 15% player-friendly takeout. Some cool stuff to do on opening day if you head out to the racetrack. Barbecue, craft beer, and cider festival. The Mathis Brothers fundraiser for Karma with the plush racehorse. And at SantaAnita.com, they give you uh, the live stream for free. So if you ever want to watch the races at Santa Anita, follow along. Just go to SantaAnita.com. You can watch live. Every day they're racing for live for free there at Santa Anita. Let's get on into the handicapping for Santa Anita for opening day. I'm going to go through the early part of the card, uh, races one through four. Then Emily joins me for the stakes. We don't hit on the ninth race, which is a first level allowance down the hill. So I'll talk about that one also. Get your past performances out for Santa Anita, December the 26th. And if you need a little uh, additional help with this, make sure to come on over and check out It's Me, Gino B on Twitter. I'm going to have a video using the Daily Racing Forum past performances to show you some race replays, chart work, some of the reasons why I like some of these horses. So if you want to get a look at that, make sure to come follow. I'll have that posted in the next uh, day or two, definitely before Christmas Eve. So if you want to watch it on Christmas Eve, Christmas, then it'll, it'll no doubt be out. Um, there, and then we'll do the same thing for uh, some stable dual plays for the weekend, and uh, we'll also do it for that pick'em contest. We're gonna have a ton of live stream stuff, so lots of content for Santa Anita coming up. And we look at race number one right off the bat. So maiden special weights going a mile on the turf course here. The some of the horses who I'm looking at to use in in the exotic. So I guess we can kind of go uh, to the birth of cool who on October the 3rd was taken back to last, was inside, was about five off, nowhere to go, had lots of traffic inside. And then last out was seven off, was inside, was you know widest trip for the next half of the race. And I, I think he fits well in here. Lottery pick makes a lot of sense. Came closing last time out, was fourth in the, the Cecil, in the DeMille grade three event, ninth of 10 early, was double-digit lengths back, moved inside, kind of had to stop and was waiting for a little bit, got some room and really started to roll, ducked to the inside, pretty good late energy. I, you know, I'm probably going to end up on Cantaro Dioro, who was also in that November 28th grade three race. He's got a lot more positional speed than he showed last time out. And I think that'll help him in this race where he can sit a little bit closer. He was taken back from the inside. The top two ran off, and he was like 15 lengths back. And in the two races prior to that, he was second and within two lengths in both of them, not under really, really slow fractions either. He can pass. He's got more speed than his last. He fits now with three races at a mile, and he's kind of fit. Crosby Beach will be showing some speed right next door. You got Pocota, who's a first-time gelding. Beaten favorite in the last two. Will take a lot of money. Was right with the leaders, kind of backed out of it. He was in a nice... You know, he got a nice opening. He angled out, but he couldn't really make up ground there. From the inside, Maynard, fine start, but was, you know, fifth, sixth, was a couple lengths off, settled back, four off, and moved to the outside. was three deep. No real impact. Lost a photo between, finished sixth. So, birth of cool, Kataro Dioro, lottery pick. And then Sundown Warren would, would be the other one that I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by. Was in some traffic early, took up, ended up last, about 10 off was buried behind horses, kept trying to go but had no room, and now adds the blinks. It's Sundown Warren. 
mentioned the three to the outside. Charlie's Ghost, I feel like, got to see a little more from. We, uh, Wellsworth had a good start early, kind of backed out of it, was crowded going into the two path, five or six lengths off, moved in between horses, got shut off. Yeah, you know, he might be able to finish a little bit closer, and he's a first time gelding. His October 17th race wasn't bad. I wouldn't completely dismiss him. Sweet Savant has a couple winning sieves. Black Adder, the damn never tried turf. They'll try it for the first time. Kind of slow start on the dirt last time out. Was behind uh, Durante and Messier. They both came back to run in the low south futurity. They finished second and fourth there. Klim to glory. We'll try the turf for the first time. First time in the Miotti barn. Looks a little bit below the rest of these. And that is uh, your field for race number one. Birth of Cool, lottery pick, Sundown Warren, Kentaro, Oro will probably be horses that I'm, I'm looking to get into exotics at a price. I'd imagine Crosby Beach and Pakoda will, you know, they will be involved and, you know, they'll be taking a lot of support. But I do like some of the others in here a little bit more. Let's move to race number two. First level allowance, optional 50, six furlongs on the dirt course here. We've got the, so from the inside, escape route, he's the one to beat. I'm a little worried about the rail draw, but the more I started to dig into him, he's got enough speed to probably flee the rail. He had a good start. He was right with the leaders on November the 27th. He moved to the inside. He was just behind the leading group. Then he got outrun a little bit, about four lengths off. He stayed inside. He couldn't really quicken enough. He angled to the two path, and then he ends up just missing. Four of his last five races, I mean, he's right there. And then the other race, he's behind Flightline, who we're going to see in the Malibu later, and Flightline's a monster. Main concern, does he get the trip from the inside? From a quality standpoint, he's the worst to beat. Half right, next door, good start. He was just off the leader. He was kind of in between at the top of the lane. He responded nicely when asked. Steps up, got to prove it against Tougher. Seed to success is actually out finished half right in back-to-back uh, a couple starts. Cedic Success had a good start. Most recently had pressure at the inside. That rival moved through. It was a pretty crazy uh, fast half mile. Kind of tried to fade, you know, fight back, but he faded to, to just hold second. And this is a tougher group. Did did fight, did show some uh, some speed last time out. Rookie mistakes, a little interesting to me. Comes out of a race on back in January where there were four next out winners. Brickyard Ride was one, one of them. He won the grade two San Carlos next out. Rookie mistake, you know, there wasn't a lot of passing going on. He was four deep, kind of in between horses. He was in tight in his last start, and there were, he was two deep up to fifth. Now he's going to get back on the dirt after a couple races on the turf. Most recently, he's going to go six for long on the dirt here after going five and six on the turf last two. I do like the fact that he faced open company in those last two. So from just a class standpoint, and knowing that you know he's been with Brickyard Ride, who was able to stretch out and face uh you know other open company, you see he was behind hit the road you know in in there and third off the long layoff back to dirt, some things to like could get a trip, rookie mistake. Sumo wouldn't shock. I just I don't really love him in here. Just three lengths off last time out, about five six deep. He moved from the outside. He was up to fourth. He ended up you know within two. It's kind of a weird in-between trip where he wasn't really aggressively asked, but he never really got a hold. They kind of started and stopped on him a few times, so he can probably be better than that trip, 
I feel like he's going to be a little undervalued, though. So if, if he's too short of a price, not for me. Blinkers on for Notre Dame. Drawn well if he wants to go. This is a million-dollar purchase, though. Nah, he's now in for 50. He's coming off of a couple poor efforts in a race that seems to have a pretty good amount of speed. That's kind of why I want to give Rookie Mistake a shot. Because you've got Sumo, who... You know, he sat a little last time out. I'd imagine they're going to probably want to try to get more aggressive with him because that has worked out well for them. Notre Dame is quick. He's going to go. Half right. Won't be too far out of it. See to success. I don't think wants to be too far out of it. And then you've got Escaper out who from the rail might be forced a little. And so rookie mistake by default could end up getting a very nice trip from off the pace if they go a little too quick early on. Throw into some of your, uh, your early exotics there. We get to the third. We're going down the hill at Santa Anita in race three. Well, I guess let's just go inside, outside. I've been giving a horse on every uh, race thoughts. So the rail draw down the hill isn't the greatest. Aloha Kitten had a fine start last time out going longer, going on November the 7th, uh, going a mile on the turf. Four deep. Was with the leaders early, then backed off, was in the two path, was fourth, was up to three deep, was just off, was uh, up to take the lead at the top of the lane and tired. She's gone six and a half at Kentucky Downs in her debut back in 2019. She's gone seven and a half at Gulfstream Park. This six and a half, the layout feels like it fits her perfectly. The way this six and a half down the hill plays out. But the rail is not easy. She's going to have to work out a trip. Might take a good amount of money with Pratt aboard. I'm not completely against her. Just not one I'm locked into or completely sold on. It could be maybe a shortish price. You got Lava Lane right next door who has been doing her best work against Calbred. So she's going to go second off the short break. She was a step slow inside. She was in the third flight last time out. She was loaded behind horses searching for room. She got a seam. She exploded. Now she steps up to open company. And she is one going six furlongs. But that's not the same as this six and a half down the hill. Noble Hearted hasn't run since April. Now she stumbled at the start last we saw her. She settled about sixth or seventh, two, three off. Or two, three deep. She was about five lengths off in a race where the top two finishers were one, two early and throughout, not a lot of passing. Another one who would feel sort of like a good spot for her. Down the hill, it's a historically a pretty um, an easier, less demanding track to come off of a layoff. Especially if you're the type of horse like Noble Hearted, who has been doing her work going a little bit longer and showing some tactical speed going a mile. It usually plays out very, very well to those types. Kind of what I was mentioning with Aloha Kitten. It plays out more to, and this again, we'll have to see what it looks like moving forward, but it's always been more of a horses cutting back from a mile and route races fare better than horses that are feel like they're five, five and a half, really true, true sprinter types at the shorter distances. This ends up being a little bit too much or a little too far for them sometimes. That might be the the worry with a horse like Lava Lane. Honor America, you know, she's a very fast filly. She cleared off by three in her last start. That was on the dirt. She will try turf for the first time. She has one winning turf sib. She's going to go third off the long layoff. The blinkers come off. I mean, she's the quickest. If She looks like she can probably clear in here. And then she's got a new piece right next door. So maybe she gets some pressure there. I don't... She was... She's one of those who's probably a little scary not to have on some rolling exotics if she clears off, but I don't love her. She doesn't have like monster turf pedigree, anything direct, 
but she's pretty quick, so she'll be in a few of, you know, a few spots for me here and there. I don't, yeah, I'm not sure with a new piece. She's going to go third off the bench. She does have some decent turf form and some speed, so this might just be a little bit farther than what she wants, though. Now she has one going a mile, and just don't know right now if that's the kind of trip she still wants with what she's been doing lately. She she comes out of a, a low south quarter horse race, two starts back going a thousand, thousand yards, and then she was five and a half at low south last time. So, you know, she's got some okay turf form to get back to. Well, let's see if she still has any of that kind of quality still left. I like Nazuna quite a bit. Now she's over her last eight, but she's multiple graded stakes placed in that stretch. Her first four starts were all sprinting on the turf. And in that group of races, she had one win, two seconds, and one of those seconds was in a group two going seven furlongs. I think it's going to play out really well for her in here. After that early success, she tried the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies turf, which was going longer. Then after that, she again went longer in June of 2021. She finished second, going a mile in a 16th against group three company. Then she was in the Belmont Oaks. Mile race in the, a stakes race again a, a mile in a first level allowance and a mile in a sixteenth last time out. She had a fine start. She settled fourth. She was about four lengths off in the two path, and she moved to the inside. And she was getting, you know, she was getting ready to go, but she had nowhere to go, and she got stopped completely. She was starting to get that momentum, and I mean it was a brutal, brutal trip. She never got a chance, and she was only she was not beaten all that much. It could be a really good spot for her because of that former turf sprint success. Now, she doesn't have a lot of speed. She hasn't shown all that much, but she was a little bit closer than it might have looked on paper last time out where she settled. Nazuna, going to be in a lot of exotics for me. We got She's Devoted, who I love when you look at a, a, a horse like this and you see all of their races are followed by layoff lines, and now they're going to put a couple starts together for the first time. So this will be the first time that she's gone and, and she's had a race less than two months uh, after her, her next. It's always been race off, race off. So she debuted in January of 2020. She was off till November of 2020. She comes back in January of 2021. So two months later. And then she's off for 10 months. Shows up in November now she's back six weeks later, and she's going to make her first start down the hill. The sixth-place finisher from her last start on November the 14th has already come back to win the next two, a horse named Miss Carousel. And she ran into a horse two starts back named Legs Galore, who's a multiple-stakes winner and his greatest stakes placed. I love this type of runner where she was in a little traffic last time out. She settled six. She was about four lengths off. She angled inside. She had to wait. She found a seam. And she got some room. She really stretched her legs late. She was chasing a lone speed winner. This Calbred has some ability. One of my concerns with her, though, like I was saying about the trips, she's never been a six and a half, nor a six and a half like this one will play out down the hill. So if she ends up a little short in this race, it wouldn't completely shock me. But I do think she has ability. She's coming back in six weeks and. We give a look to she's devoted in here. New Pi Lambda just kind of underneath. She ran well at six and a half, but not on the hill. And then you've got California Coop to the outside. She's going to go back to the turf. She's got only one sprint in her career, and it was off a six-month break. She probably used it like a prep 
she's going to need a little pace help in here. Last out, she tried to stay with him early. In she was fourth, she was in between, then fifth. She was too off, but she was in tight. She was in a bad spot up on heels. She got a little bit of room. She tried to come after them, but she just couldn't make up any ground. Ginger set the pace. Velvet Slippers was hitting just off. And Trueville was just off Velvet Slippers. There was just no passing in that race whatsoever. Two back, she chased Private Mission. Three back, she chased the Sharp Samurai Charm. The races she exits aren't bad. I, I mean, I don't love her. I like others more, but wouldn't completely talk you off using her in some spots. Let's get to race four, and then I'm also going to talk about race number nine, because that's the only other one I didn't talk about. Uh, those are the last two I didn't talk about with Emily. Then we'll get into the uh, the convo with Emily. So uh, let's get to the fourth race, Maiden Special Weights here. And in this uh, fourth race, they'll be going six and a half furlongs on the main track. Let's start with Hopkins inside. Had a good start from the gate. You can watch those works at XBTV. Ended up going 46 and three. It was kind of a pretty easy 46 and three. Showed a little ability in the morning. Damn hot spell was a multiple winner. Won her first two starts. She has produced six fulls to race. All six of them won. One of them won the debut. Baffert Hernandez, obviously very capable connections here. Win early and they uh, paid 900000 for this one. Patron de Oro, the number two, debuted in a really strong race on March the 6th behind Defunded, who came back uh, as multiple graded stakes place following C as a grade two winner, was third in the Breeders' Cup Sprint. And... Then on April the 3rd, good start, but took back to sit just off. Sitting like third or so outside was three deep. Was only about a length off. Was right in contention early in the stretch before tiring. And the horse who won that race named Laurel River won a, uh, got a 92 buyer speed figure. Is grade three placed and won an allowance by 11.5 with a 95 buyer speed figure. Fourth place finisher in that race, Bobby Bow, was second in a $250,000 stakes race, a New York bred stakes race. The uh, next one, Soy Tapatio. Might be able to hear some of the lawnmowers in the back. Don't worry, we won't be too much longer before we get into Emily. Um, so, Soy Tapatio was a step slow on uh, in the debut. It's his fault, he was just a little slow. Hopped at the start on the 28th of November. And then last time out, he was a step slow. And then he got bumped at the start like right after. He was last of eight, about seven lengths off. He was inside. He moved into contention. He he got a nice opening, but he had to kind of slow his momentum a little bit. I really like the cutback for him. And also, uh, you know, feel like he's he just needs some pace to run at. You know, he might not be quite as good as some of these down the line. But he's experienced and he should be fit. He's just a slog, a little slow out of the gate. He needs better beginnings, especially going six and a half. In his debut race, he hooked three next out winners. Essential Wager came back to win next time out at Los Al with a 99 buyer. Disco Ball came back to win on December the 12th. You see, Disco Ball was third in the debut on November 12th, came back to win on December 12th, and beat Soy Tapatio again. And who's the star? Also was in that maiden special weight race on November twelfth. He beat him on November the twenty eighth. So he hooked a, a you know a couple of really nice ones in his debut. He's improved in each one, and uh, he gets away from those rivals. QB one, first time starter for Richard Mandela. This one is a three year old son of uh, Beholder. First fold a race for Beholder. Eighteen time winner was second. Uh, was 
a winner in the second career start. She won the Breeders' Cup three times, earned $6 million plus. The 12-12 and 12-19 works I watched okay. 12-12 kind of worked outside, then worked with the La Brea entrant. Missy P was inside. Doesn't seem all that quick. I kind of got the feeling that she made uh, he made need a race. Elector is a first-time starter for John Sadler. The dam of this one, OKC, was 2 for 8. And the lone sib was 0 for 13. Now, Elector is kind of intriguing because he had been working back in May of 2020 to June of 2020. And then he stopped. Then he started working again in November of 2020. He worked three times and then stopped. Came back in January, worked 10 times. And then he was off from March to October. Now he's got seven works in a row. And he shows up here for Sadler, for Pratt, that... November 11th work was one that I was able to pull up and watch, and it was it was nice. He's got some ability. the The six and a half concerns me a little bit. I mean, he's he's got to have had some issues. They've started and stopped on him a few times, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him run well in here. Shaz, a 1.1 million dollar purchase for Baffert, the damn Miss Miss Ocean City, won the debut. Maiden special weight going six furlongs at Saratoga, then tried graded stakes company and never really ran well after that debut. Four siblings, uh, four fools to race, three multiple winners. Azar was a grade two winner on the turf at two, showed a little precocity there. And then you've got uh, Shaz, who actually worked outside a triple tap, who's in the Malibu, and Shaz was full of himself. Big dude. Might have a tough time if he has to get kind of behind horses and shuffled, but if he's in the clear and he's freewheeling, getting into a nice stride, he could be pretty tough. November 26th, he was asked a bit early outside of Varda. Finished strong late. November the 19th, outside had to move in between horses and picked up company. And then November the 12th, was pretty fast early. So you can catch a lot of this guy's works on XBTV. Dixie's Two Cents feels a little bit... In tough here, twice beaten against Maiden Claimers. He's hooked essential quality. Dr. Shovel, though, he's faced some nice ones. He, you know, his pressure should probably help the other O'Neill. So, at the very least, he's a pace factor who could help set it up for Soy. Tap a T-O. Tap into the taste. 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 Tap a T-O. Sorry, folks. I get I get excited with the, the Tap a T-O commercial. Let's uh let's skip to race number nine. I want to talk, give a few thoughts on that one, and then you're gonna get an hour long plus conversation with Emily Gullickson where we go horse by horse in all of the greatest stakes races, races five, six, seven, eight, ten, and eleven. But first, let's jump to the ninth race and mention a, a couple things in here. So we've got first level allowance down the hill. Fantel, I think Pratt's gonna get a little aggressive. This guy's just one for 13. This gal is one for 13 overall, but she fits at the level. And because of the draw, I think they want to go a little more. So don't be surprised if he gets a little aggressive with her down on the inside. Super game fits at the trip. She's just got to kind of prove it against this group. So I'm, I mean, if you like her, I'm not going to talk you off her, but I'm not as, as high on her as I might be on ultimate high right next door. I think fits pretty well in here coming off that runner-up effort. So she'll be in some of my exotics. Rapid Transit kind of has some question marks about back-to-back okay races at Hawthorne. If she, you know, you might want to throw her in some spots because she 
She just kind of has the profile of one who should fit at this trip, you know, the downhill. Two of the horses that I, I like most uh, I haven't got to yet. Um, I will be using the uh, Fantail in a lot of exotics. The one I'll, I'll probably, you know, Gleska Gal looks pretty tough in here to me. I mean, again, from what she's shown and then being able to excuse last effort. She was in a loaded field on November the 2nd. She was behind grade one winner going global. Zofel is a graded stakes winner. And Princess Grace is a multiple graded stakes winner. And Gleska had a good start. She was in between. She was right with the leader. She backed off to finish second. And, and then she just kind of packed it in. She's going to get Lasix for the first time. Second time US. Now she's with Callahan. And she was second at six furlongs. She's won twice at seven and a half on the synthetic. This trip should actually be kind of nice for her. She showed a little bit of route speed, tactical speed, routing. Kleska Gal. Cologne was a winner going five. She's one that I kind of want to see have to prove it going six and a half. But you know, maybe she's a little more forwardly placed in here. I kind of think that Xmas surprise to the outside is going to be forwardly placed. So I'm going to use her, and I like the outside draw. She's a pace factor. She's drawn well, and she's fresh. So Xmas Surprise will be on some of my uh, exotics. I mean, especially the day after Christmas, right? Inner Beauty. I really wasn't sure what to do with Inner Beauty or another Eddie. The two of them, you know, I I just didn't quite know how to include them, so they probably won't be in a lot of my exotics there. And, uh, yeah, that's the uh, the non-stakes portion of of the card at Santa Anita for opening day. Let's get into the graded stakes races with Emily Gullickson. Santa Anita opening day, the uh, day after Christmas. It's always been like a, a little elongated Christmas for some of the folks out in Southern California and then the horse racing fans all uh, all around. As I uh, grew up just about five minutes away from Santa Anita, I used to go out to the track quite often. Nowadays, I'm a little uh, a little lazier, and I just kind of sit home in, in, in the, the warm comfort of my own home. But we got a great card to talk about. And since the PPs came out very early, we're able to talk about these races early on. Emily Gullickson, who you've heard on this show many, many times from Optics EQ, she's going to join us right now to talk about the, the stakes races on the card, we have 11 races on the card on Santa Anita, uh, Santa Anita's opening day on December the 26th. And because of that, there's an early post, 11 o'clock a.m. Pacific time. So keep that in mind if you're playing the races. The graded stakes races begin in race number five. There are six of them total on the card, and there are three grade ones. It's a really strong card for opening day. And Emily here to talk about those graded stakes with us. Emily, Merry Christmas. How you doing? I'm doing well. Happy holidays to you and everybody listening. So we, uh, like always, are uh, we're the bookworms. We get into this stuff right away. When the past performances come out a little early, it's uh, it's great for folks like us who want to get jump uh, right into it and get ahead. So we're recording this early t- uh, Wednesday morning, December the 22nd. So we're a few days out. We're so far out that the morning lines for these races and the numbers aren't even out, but we know for the most part who- who's <laughs> going to take money. We know who's going to uh, get support. We've been following a lot of these horses. Before we get into the card for opening day, tell us a little bit about what you have going on right now, what the schedule of uh, some of your work and content is and uh, what tracks you're covering. Sure. So it's a little bit over the place. We'll start over at Optics EQ, where I'm I'm constantly doing work, following three tracks right now, Southern California, all year round. So obviously Santa Anita, and that'll carry all the way in through 
basically the first half of next year. Uh, Oakland Park, which has already started, they're going to not race this upcoming weekend, but we'll be back on the 31st, so doing notes there, and then circles and squares over at Brisnet. And then also, is this the maybe the third year in a row um, for Fairgrounds notes, um, which is a, a tricky track um, and one that following notes, especially with horses coming in, makes a big difference. So we've got that going on just for me personally, but obviously we cover all all kind of the, I shouldn't say all the tracks, but the major circuits, mm-hmm. Gulfstream, Aqueduct this time of year on Optic CQ for notes and then have the plots for even more. Uh, Brisnet, as I mentioned, Circles and Squares, which is daily at Oakland Park. Um, that kind of follows a similar format for Woodbine for the people that kind of want to pick up where, where Woodbine left off when that gets back going in April. And then um, over at Patreon, I just started my Patreon. I haven't quite decided which kind of route I want to go with it. So um, please follow there. It's super cheap. And then that supports um, the live streams, which are going to get going on Twitch. I'm doing a handicapping uh, session that'll be tomorrow, actually, um, for the 26th at Fairgrounds. There's a carryover and a couple good sequences there, a big card for them on the 26th as well, and then picking up with live streams as well, also on Twitch. I know that's a lot, but since this is recorded, people can rewind and catch up wherever they need. No, give it all right there, right off the bat, absolutely. And most of those tracks... We've done the fairgrounds preps with you here before. We've done Oakland prep with you here before. We've done the big preps with any time it's Derby, pre, you know, the Triple Crown undercards, Breeders' Cup undercards. So, yeah, it's cool because a lot of people have heard you talk about some of those tracks on here before also. And so they know uh, the type of analysis that you'll help them out with there and the, the kind of work that uh, the uh, the content you put out there has. So very excited for that. And the Patreon, the Twitch streams too. I like to uh, check in every time I can on there. And um, let's uh, let's get into some good handicapping. I know so uh, Fairgrounds has a really good card on this same day, right? Opening day of Santa Anita, the twenty sixth. They also have a pretty good stakes. It's one of those like road, you know, er- early on road to the stakes prep prep kind of cards. I feel like you prepped this fifth race saying the word road, but um, yes, they have, <laughs> yeah. they have um, a, a good card. You know, I haven't. I haven't looked at it because I'm going to handicap it live tomorrow. So awesome. I really don't, I really don't know what the card is. Cause I'm going to look at it for the first time. When Perfect. I that cool. So we'll make sure we tune into that and we'll, uh, we'll come, uh, we'll pump that for you too. When we see that going out. So, uh, we'll stay tuned for more help. Uh, if you need, uh, some complimentary tracks to play along with opening day at Santa Anita on your uh, 26th of December So let's get into the San Gabriel race number 5 We're going to be going a mile and an eighth here This is a grade 2 event, $200,000 And you'll have hit the road in here Who was going to run in the Breeders' Cup And was actually kind of coming into the Breeders' Cup Pretty nicely off of a couple of decent efforts One of them, he kind of had a little sneaky trip Where he sort of got shuffled back He was behind Mo Forza, who's really nice Smooth like straight, actually ran well in the Breeders' Cup too Sort of kind of flattered the form in the horses that he'd been running against And he's sort of the horse to start with and probably the one to beat kind of the class of the field here in the San Gabriel. Yeah, I I agree. I would, uh, you know, I I don't think his trips are as sneaky, especially coming into this race being being a seven horse field and him being who he is. He was a very quality horse. The one question is obviously the distance. They've kept him at a mile, and that's usually for a reason. And, um, you know, milers, that can be a specialty distance. So that is mm-hmm. a little bit of an unknown. And obviously, you know, the Breeders' Cup would have been their their first choice. Um, unfortunately, just a slight setback, unable to participate that day. But he's certainly a 
um, a logical type just in terms of speed figures in class. And as you mentioned, the form. And again, I don't think his trips are going to get too overlooked in this spot. No, no, both yeah. pretty obvious trips. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Rispoli jumps back aboard. He's had really good success with him. He was three for three. He seems to just kind of fit him maybe a little bit better. I sort of like Giroux a little more on the the speedy kind of types where we can kind of get out front. Um, and yeah, you mentioned the key with him. Mile on the sixteenth. Sometimes you know those horses can stretch out fine. And eighth is you know starting to get to the point where if you're a true miler, sometimes you know you make that move and then you hang a little bit, or it's just. It's just a little much for you, so just at least something to note with him. But he, he to me at least, and it sounds like to you, feels like the one that they'll kind of all have to hold off and probably have to beat in here. A um, couple other horses, you know, that are pretty sharp and, and nice and worth mentioning. You know, Friars Road is is definitely got a lot of upside. He hasn't done a whole lot wrong in his career. He's only run eleven times and he's only got three races on the turf so far. And in, in those three races, he's you know multiple graded stakes placed, and he won the other race. Pretty impressively going a mile in three eighths. He's a horse who has no issue with the distance. He's actually the opposite of hit the road. He's cutting back from longer distances. He just went a mile and a half. He just went a mile and a quarter. So even in his poor races on the dirt and some of his other races, one was in the Santa Anita Derby, another one where he was kind of sandwiched by layoffs. So he just wasn't quite at his best that day. Another one where he kind of missed the break. He's he's pretty honest. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I really don't mind. I can draw a line through both of those those races mm-hmm. on the main track that you mentioned, and then yeah, he is super honest, and this is a favorable pattern for him. Even if you look at um, a, a previous sequence when he was coming off just a slight layoff in the August twenty eighth race, that was a dominant win, and then he finished in a blanket in the John Henry Turf. That was a Grade Two race, but again, it's cutting back in distance. It doesn't quite as severe, but you know they're going to have to work with what they got. So considering this is second off, that was a better than looked race in the Hollywood Turf Cup with that third place finish. Um, breaking slow was a four horse horse blanket for place. I thought that was a good effort, especially considering it might have been a little bit of a prep with this. Race on the calendar and it just seems maybe you know looking ahead a little bit that McCarthy could have a big day just kind of with the runners that he has on mm-hmm. this card and I think Friars Road is very live in this spot I'm just in terms of you know I think both these horses are super logical the two road horses as we mentioned mm-hmm. um I, I'm gonna side with Friars Road just in terms of I like them both um you know math is gonna be the deciding factor so uh you know my, my quote-unquote pick would be Friars Road in this race and then we'll talk a little bit about how we, you know, the pace may shape up. So, you know, Red Storm Risen was uh, was ridden aggressively last time out, and that's worked well for him a few times. And and Pratt, you sort of think of as someone who will be pretty aggressive. I I think he'll probably at least try to keep honest Bob and Jackie. And the thing with Bob and Jackie that's kind of you know, interesting. I interesting might not be the one. I'm frustrating, probably more an accurate word for me. A few times when I've played him, is that he he in early on in his career he won three of his first four starts, and it was a lot, mainly by being aggressive, using a lot of speed in all of those races that I'm talking about. Those four first four, he was going sub 24 to the half in all of them, and he was like right on the lead. In his maiden race, he went 22-13. He beat Omaha Beach, who came back to win the Rebel Arkansas Derby and a couple grade one sprint stakes. And and he was kind of forwardly placed last out. It sort of looked like the last couple they, they've wanted to try to maybe get a little more aggressive with him. Um, and and then he kind of got caught in weird spots. So I you know, what do you what do you see as the pace with with maybe two pace types? Do you think one is quicker than the other? How do you see it unfolding? Um, yeah, I mean I I, I think that's probably Bob and Jackie. 
likely going to go with Valdivia, you know, on the inside, he's second off and just for this distance. I mean, just the kind of overall with him. And it's always sort of been the issue with this horse, in my opinion. It's just class. I mean, class makes such a difference on the turf. And even though you mentioned those paces, he's able to get away with a little bit softer middle fraction. And sometimes the race can be won or lost there. Mm -hmm. So there are some other horses in here that can be, you know, a little bit forwardly placed. I mean, they, we might see that strategy on Indian Peak. He's gone that that kind of path in the past, even when he's been a little bit overmatched, which seems mm-hmm. to be the case here once again at the graded stakes level. And then just in terms of, you know, Diamato, you mentioned Red Storm Risen, where he was able to get the lone trip. He just kind of got the right trip and a soft field. And that was coming yeah. off an excuse in his prior race back on October 31st. So I think they just wanted to keep him in the clear and out of trouble. But I think the class and the distance could be a test for him. Ready Soul could be even a little bit under the radar where he's going to come off a win, but there seems to be a little bit more upside with him, and he certainly has the foundation as far as distance. So if I'm splitting the two Diamato horses, um, I prefer Ready Soul in here. And then just as far as overall with Bob and Jackie, you know, maybe the pace just kind of helps to carry him a little bit. But in terms of a win, I have a hard time finding a, you know, a race that of his races he's run to date that fits with this field, um, kind of a winning type effort. Yeah, yeah, I think I see it pretty similar. Ready Soul, I'm glad you mentioned we were going to at least uh, mention this one, who was a, a nice winner last time out, the two back race on October the 2nd. Had a little bit of trouble, kind of got caught in between horses. I did. Didn't really love the the ride. It was just kind of not the most aggressive. Just kind of like a passive ride. Didn't really make the right moves. And then Flavian jumped aboard and uh, and you, kind of like you mentioned with uh, sort of like what they did with Red Storm Risen is like you get in trouble one time. A lot of times you'll kind of have a horse that you feel is in a really good spot that they're alive. You want to just make sure they're not in trouble. Put them in the race early. Kind of make horses come and pass you. Um, so Ready Soul, I, I agree. I, I would prefer of the Damatos in uh, fun little San Gabriel, contentious. They're going to have to beat hit the road, but you've got a really sharp Friars Road. If one of the two speed horses for some reason sneaks away, that would definitely upgrade their chances at you know hanging around for a big share. And then Ready Soul wouldn't wouldn't shock me there from the outside. Uh oh, I think I lost you there for a second. Oh no, I'm back. Yeah. It, uh, okay. It cut, there we go. It cut out a couple of times. Okay. Uh, Earlier, and then you came back, so I was okay. Just patient. Okay, thank you. Okay, I'll, I'll make sure we clear that up. So <laughs> as we uh, as we finish up here in the uh, in the San Gabriel, I did think that you know hit the road, the one to beat, and de- definitely a couple live horses to beat them. And what's what's nice in like a small field like this, if for some reason one of the pace horses goes and the other one doesn't, that will definitely upgrade their chances. Yeah, I think I think again, you know, maybe I think that would probably be the scenario where people would lean on Bob and Jackie and you know, maybe that's a case just but would just need so much racing luck and so with that Everything. being the case, you're going to have to be compensated on the board. Absolutely. Let's move along to the next graded stakes. Uh, you, anything else you want to mention there before we get to the San Antonio? No, no I, I, think I feel we, Yeah. It. We covered that pretty good. Let's get to mile and a 16th San Antonio. We've got Hot Rod Charlie here as likely the uh, the one to beat. Wrote a very nice 2021 for him. He was basically beaten uh, more than a length one time, and that was in in the most recent start. That was in the Breeders' Cup Classic, and maybe it was you know towards the end of the campaign for him. He's had a you know pretty amount, pretty good amount of tough battles, seven starts, and some big races this year. It could have been just the, the race shape. He was sort of in chase mode, which is something that you were kind of hinting at. You weren't really high on his chances because you sort of thought he was going to cut in the Breeders' Cup because you kind of thought he would be caught in between, sort of like the trip that he had where he'd kind of be all in and then just not have a whole lot left. But grade one winner, and you know, you take out that Breeders' Cup, it's like, oh, yeah, he was beaten a length and a quarter in the Belmont, a length in the Derby, and 
no more than a length in any race this year. Won the Louisiana Derby, crossed the wire first in the Haskell, got DQ'd. He was the best horse in the race that day. So it, you know, he'll he'll deal with the older in here. He'll deal with a, a couple Bafferts and um, you know some others down towards the inside that have been kind of facing older for a while. But I guess the conversation probably should start with uh, with Hot Rod Charlie. Yeah, and I mean, again, we're as you mentioned, we don't have the morning lines yet, so we are kind of speculating on on what the public is going to do. And I certainly think that the public will make Hot Rod Charlie a favorite for those reasons that you mentioned, that they'll be able to willingly excuse the Breeders' Cup for whatever reason, especially cutting back in distance, and for all the factors that make him look very appealing, especially if you look on paper. But for similar reasons, I don't like him in the Breeders' Cup. I don't like him here, and maybe some subtle changes in between but just in terms of a pace scenario it doesn't look like he's going to get that favorable of a trip even though he's cutting back in distance cutting back in distance is going to mean he's going to have to run a little bit quicker in order to get the trip that he wants and and that is a big change for horses and so just you have to keep that in mind i know he's won at nine furlongs and this is just a slight change but that's against three-year-old company where he's had maybe some softer fields as far as the pennsylvania derby and the haskell if you're you know putting some of those horses just kind of in comparison to facing the older horses today. And he's going to have some horses that are quick um, in this field with eight rings. I don't know what, you know, the stable mate's going to do where he's stretching out again. Maybe they show speed, but extra hope certainly going to be a lot more aggressive today where he kind of needs to be on the lead. And I just don't really see um, a, a favorable pace scenario for Hot Rod Charlie in that scenario where, you know, maybe his best effort does win this race. But I think form cycle is also really important in here. And there's something that's a little bit curious. Um, in the Breeders' Cup, he was wearing front wraps. And that's a change from his previous races. And they're mm-hmm. tough to see. I had to go back and kind of look because they're dark and they're tough to see um, on the visuals. But... That just combines when you go back to the Pennsylvania Derby where he lugged out around the turn and then in the lane, you know, he's flipping leads. He's kind of lugging in a couple times, even though it's brief before he gets on track. But you just combine that with wearing the front wraps in the Breeders' Cup. And then the Breeders' Cup is the race that, you know, horses point to. And I'm going to bring this up as we talk about some of the other horses in this field. But, they're you know, they're pointing to that race. And obviously running here um, is a softer spot without, without a doubt. But... Um, just in terms of his overall form, he's going to still have to run a top effort to compete in this field. Mm-hmm. And maybe is just a little bit over the top in this race. And so when you're looking at a horse that's a favorite, anytime you can poke holes, um, if you're if you're right, <laughs> you're going to get rewarded. If you're Absolutely. wrong, I think it's a lot easier to turn the page, um, you know, on, on these type of horses. And so um, that's just sort of the way that, that I see him coming into this race where he could certainly win, but he's going to be a very, very, very short price. And I think there's some other horses that are, that are pointed to this spot. Let's talk a little about the Baffert runners here with uh, eight rings in Azul coast. They both come out of the native diver last time out eight rings. And that was going a mile and an eighth. So this is a mile and a 16th that will probably help eight rings a little more just because he's speedier. And so just kind of, Assuming that this is a trip that he's won at a couple times, he won. He was a Grade One winner at two at this uh, trip, and he's won going a mile and an eighth uh, or a mile and a sixteenth, you know, multiple times where he's been able to get the lead. He's probably the one that's going to be the more aggressively handled of the Bafferts. Azul Coast did kind of just swoop right by him when he was towards the back and just kind of kept wide and kept in the clear. And Azul Coast has a couple of his A game races that are are pretty solid. Um, eight rings. You know, I, he kind of is what he is. He's like, this is, yeah, this is probably a better spot for him, but I just don't know how good he is with the better distance horses. What do you think uh, of the two Bafferts in here? 
Well, um, so we can kind of start with that with that native diver race. Um, and just in terms of you talking about Azul Coast, having those good races, and if you just kind of look at like where those races occurred, they're typically at Del Mar. He kind of is a horse or course when it comes mm-hmm. to Del Mar. And so he just really fit that native diver race. And especially with eight rings being the favorite, where I thought he was a, a very bad favorite that day. And yeah. that goes back to what I was saying earlier, as far as the Breeders' Cup being where horses point to, where eight rings was pointed to the dirt mile, not mm-hmm. quite on the level, wasn't going to win that day. I mean, just that's the way it goes. Uh, Life is good was just super impressive um, in that race. And um, eight rings, all things considered, ran well um, in that race, in my opinion, to a race that he was pointed to. Now, wheeling back in two weeks to go nine furlongs, he was not going to win that. That just wasn't the right spot. That wasn't the right spot for him, especially with the Zool Coast, who was coming into that race the right way over a track he likes. Um, So you just have to keep those those factors in mind. As far as eight ranks, this is a better spot for him just in terms of class, in terms of distance, and in terms of timing. He's had 36 days to get a freshening out of that race and just looks like a, a much better spot. And he does have the speed. And, you know, he can get out in front, and if Hot Rod Charlie tries to kind of run with him, um, that could, one, soften up Hot Rod Charlie. And if he does kind of take back and let um, eight rings go, well, that could be game over right there. You know, he could just be able to to kind of go gates wire, especially if they try to get cute on, on extra hope as well. So I think of the two, I think eight rings, this is probably a better spot for him um, and yeah. could even be a, a contender in this race Blast yeah i agree back aboard he was back aboard if, if he clears to, for sure or gets, if he clears or if he just sort of gets the same kind of trip he got last time which was a really nice trip that he can work out and like you said he'll just be he should just be better like he should have a little more bottom he shouldn't be quite as you know maybe a little dull going the mile in an eighth late when you know like you said a horse there were probably a, a one or two horses in that race that just was primed a little bit better for that spot in particular so I mean, would it shock me if Azul Coast won? I mean, not really. He's he's in okay form, but I, I agree with you. It, again, it comes down to the price. You don't want to. I wouldn't want to take a shorter price on him than eight rings in this spot, at, because he's coming off the win, and he may be a little bit overvalued coming off of that. So, um, yeah, I think we both kind of prefer eight rings of the of the Baffert runners here. Um, and and the horse who's just kind of, I, I wonder if. Because we're looking at this race and wondering, you know, the trip that Hot Rod Charlie w- is going to get, is that why Go On is in this race? I mean, he's not; they're not the same ownership, but obviously they're an O'Neill horse. And, you, and, and Redham is the the main owner for O'Neill. You wonder if it's just a horse like, hey, let's let's put this horse in this race and send hard and make sure that they're not speed, and maybe we can hang on, hang around for a slice and get some graded stakes placing in a small field because he may be able. I don't know if he's fast enough, but the the plan with him might be just. Hey, let's try to send hard. He kind of showed some speed from the inside and then settled behind. I don't think he's a horse who's good enough to win this race, but can he maybe be part of the pace and kind of maybe, you know, set it up or be like a nuisance in here? I don't even think he's quick enough. Even that's, if they try to send yeah. guns, guns a blazing, I don't I was even wondering. think that they're that he is fast enough. He just, I, I don't really see why they're in this race. And but you know, O'Neill's kind of put these horses in this race and. And sometimes they just don't run at all, and then they'll yeah. come back in a spot where they where they run well. I mean, he might even be maybe they weren't sure they were going to get enough horses, and so they enter, you know, thinking mm-hmm. we might need just to make sure it fills for, for Charlie. Just yeah, just soft. make sure it fills for Charlie. You know, kind yeah, of a thing. Yeah, he but. just kind of looks pretty soft um, all around. Um, I do want to mention Express Train because yeah, the two inside horses are worth talking about. Let's hit yeah. Express Train. 
Um, I mean, I'll start with extra hope because I, I kind of started there. I think they do have to be a lot more aggressive. That was, they weren't as aggressive in the Berkeley stakes. And that was just like not a good effort. I think he is better on the front end, but he's just kind of tough to endorse off that effort. Um, he was cold on the board. It was an eight to one morning line. So kind of some indications that he was given that race, but um, it's pretty similar as far as, you know, where his top effort is. I don't even know if he's quite good enough, but this is probably a spot that, you know, they're going to run and just kind of find out where where to go going forward with him. As far as Express Train, um, he, you know, he's a quality horse. He's run well in graded stakes races. And I think the challenge with him, it has been the distance that they've been running him in those longer races, the classic type distance, because he is a quality older horse, but he doesn't quite want to go that far. And he has been exposed going the longer distance races. And this is just a better spot. I mean, he won the San Diego handicap at this distance. Now it's probably his best race on the year, in my opinion. And he hasn't really run bad since. It's just been, kind of been circumstantial. Espinosa was set to ride in the Breeders' Cup Classic. He had a little bit of a setback there, unable to compete. And maybe that's for the best, um, just as the spot looks a little bit more favorable to him. And I just think he's he's a good fit in this race, um, especially as an alternative to a favorite that's worth taking on. Yeah, I mean, he was never going to win that last race. The race shape was just not... Not he was kind of close up early, a couple lengths off, like fifth or sixth. He was or sort of in between horses, and then he kind of backed out of a spot that was tight. He had to wait, split horses. He was chasing Medina Spirit, who was you know loose on the lead that day. We're gonna see Stiletto Boy, uh, I think, in a little bit. Uh, and it just yeah, this feels like a better spot for him too. And he's come back since the the, the missing time, and he's had five published works, and he looked fine in, in the works, which is nice. You can watch for. A lot of these horses that have been at Santa Anita, you know, you, you can see these works on XBTV or at least a, a couple of the the recent ones. So yeah, he, before, he sort of before you move on from those works because um, it is you know putting in the works in the context. He's working on um, he's working with Parnelli, who in my opinion is a sprinter. And if you skip ahead to Sunday, he's actually going to cut back to a sprint finally. Um, but they've keeping that in mind, Parnelli's a quick horse. And so Express Train was kind of tracking him. So it kind of gives me the indication they were putting some speed into him Mm -hmm. and kind of keeping him a little bit closer to the pace, sort of that first run type trip, sort of the trip that people think maybe Hot Rod Charlie's going to fall into. Um, Express Train could fall into that kind of same kind of pushing, stalking trip. And that's what's sort of interesting about the way this race could shape up because, you know, eight rings is going. Um, and, And then... The two inside horses both I don't think Express Train is going to gun But his best races Are pretty close up To decent paces mm-hmm. You know the San Diego He's not far off you know in Oaklawn he ran really well and he was Just tracking right there in the big cap Right here at Santa Anita going a mile and a quarter Which is just a, a little too far for him He was not far out of it either The San Pasqual when he won like if you look at All of his better efforts it's when he's right There tracking and I think the problem with him is that he gets sometimes if he doesn't break well, he's just sort of like a hard horse to kind of maneuver in between horses, like, and he'll get shuffled and then he'll be in a bad spot and then he's just kind of up against it. But if he, if they are intent on getting him closer, which some of these works may indicate, this could be a really big effort from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's in. I think he's in a really good spot um, to compete, which I haven't been able to really say that, that mm-hmm. for him in his most recent starts. Kiss today goodbye is, I guess, really the only one in the race that we haven't mentioned. Any any thoughts on that one? Um, 
Yeah, I, th I just think overall he's just a little bit cut below in terms of class. Um, one of those horses, I mean, what you see is what you get. He's going to be running on late, um, especially at this distance and with this field complexion. So maybe for a share, um, but I can't really get any and any much further than that. Yeah, kind of like others more. No real knocks, but that for me just not a not quite as high on on him and his chances in this spot. Let's move along to the seventh race. We have the Grade Two Mathis Mile. And they'll be going a mile on the turf course here for three-year-olds. So, oh, yeah, lots of directions to go in this one. Uh, tell us, I, I guess, you know, Tarantino's an interesting horse who was running against a graded stakes company on the dirt earlier in the year, tried a couple spots after showing some success on the turf. You've got horses like, uh, you know, Br uh, Beyond Brilliant, who just won the Hollywood Derby last time out on the front end. You've got DeJour, who won the American turf earlier in the year, now is back in the Baffert barn after uh, running for Mont a few times and Then you've got a bunch of horses who Have been hanging around the Sort of graded stakes races against three-year-olds In Southern California for a while Like Zofarelli, like Flashiest Law Professor's kind of an up-and-comer uh, None above the law from the inside Has been there in that mix This is, uh, for a handicapping perspective This was a, a, a pretty fun race So where do you think the public Is going to land on the favorite in this race? Because it doesn't really seem like there is A big no. standout I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if it's du jour and beyond brilliant. I think are going to take a lot of money. Okay. I, I, I like. I think I would. I think it'll probably be between the two of them. Would you? Would you think it's it's probably along those lines? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I have a hard. T it could be. I mean, just the thing is, you know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, beyond your brilliant, was able to just get away with a front-running trip, and it just doesn't look like quite the same scenario in here. He was able to get a really soft pace. Um, yeah, this he, isn't for me from like a liking them in the race perspective. This is just a like who I think the people are going to bet. Yeah, no, think, that's what I. That's yeah. the way I'm talking about. Oh, okay, it. I'm okay, talking cool, about cool, it from that cool. perspective. Yeah, yeah, you know, cool. coming coming off a win, but did have that favorable trip. So I don't know if people are going to be overly excited right. about that. But it's maybe cool just that we're talking people. about this, though, right? It makes yeah. it. Like the fact that we're having this discussion means that there are plenty of ways to go in here. Well, right, but I mean, from a playing perspective, you do kind of have to figure out which direction because there are there are different ways to go, and I think you do want to kind of zig and zag. I mean, as far as Dijor, he certainly has the races, but people might be a little bit soft because it's Baffert on the turf, you know. Even though there's no reason to really knock this horse with Baffert sure. on the turf because sure. he's done that already. But um, yeah, so I. You know, I I don't I have a hard time. It's probably going to be those two by default. I mean, flashiest probably uh, could be considered the classiest horse in this race, but really hasn't improved in terms of speed figures. Though is a quality type, and even his races where he finishes off the board, um, you know, grant it's grade one, it's top level company. He's still running very competitive races um, in this spot. I mean, again, it's. I could really, you know, that's why I'm asking, like, where the yeah. public's going to go, because if any of these forces become favored, you could easily go another direction without, you know, getting your feelings hurt just, too much. In my I opinion. guess just, just based on, like, the recent support for them, I'd, I'd imagine Flashiest and horses like Zofarelli, they were 40 and 30 to 1 last time. They'll probably still give you a little more value, but they're very live and logical in this spot. You know, this is a softer spot. Than where they were and that was a spot that So yeah I mean I, I don't I don't think 
you know, like du jour, the, the two that I mentioned to start, Dujour and Beyond Brilliant. I guess let's like start from a talking point with those two. So we got Dujour who's coming back to Baffer, like we said, like from from a win perspective, you seemed like you were a little bit cold on Beyond Brilliant coming off of that race last time out. I think I am where, you know, he was sort of sent up from the inside to the lead and he opened up almost two and he just held off of uh, Santin. And he kind of seems really one dimensional. The two race back. They, they seemed like they wanted to get him off the pace to sit, and it just didn't go all that well for him. He just didn't seem like he had that sort same sort of turn of foot. I'm a little worried, you know, he's either going to be forced from the outside or get hooked a little bit wide if they try to sit again. So, uh, what do you think about Beyond Brilliant? And we'll talk to Jour after. Yeah, I mean, that was just that was just kind of the right time if you had him. I mean, he was he was ten to one in that race, mild pressure, but mostly lone. He had the right race flow. He's drawn outside today. There's other speed in the inside. I think they have to, you know, they're gonna send Cane Creek Road, one that's just softer, another one that's been forwardly placed, and on the improve in his most recent starts, but this is a major class test for him. And then also Tarantino, he's on the inside, has the tendency to break slow, but if they kind of hustle and breaks well today, is like can be forwardly placed, and that seems to be the strategy, even if he does break a little bit. That'll pro- they'll you probably know. try one, you know, like you you always They're gonna try it. to put him in the race. That's where he's been the most where he's been the most effective. And the fact that he's been that he's broke slow and been against the flow and then he was not asked in the uh the stake stakes back in March. So I think they're gonna wanna be forwardly placed in there. So Beyond Brilliant should have a little bit more pace pressure in here and from horses mm-hmm. to um his inside where he was able to be on the inside last time. So a bit of a a bit of a change in there. And then Dujour is another horse that, you know, you have Pratt back board who's been able to just kind of find the right placement to put this horse whether he wants to come from a little bit off the pace or put him forwardly placed so again if he kind of senses oh no one's gonna go well we'll go and you know DeJour just might be a little bit classier um just kind of overall so uh you know we'll we'll see of those two so beyond brilliant is the favorite in this race I would gladly go elsewhere um kind of in this spot um not that he can't win but just from a value perspective so let's talk about some of the others we might be looking at you mentioned Tarantino and the trip that they're hoping for with him so he at two was one first time out going long then came back and was beaten just a nose in a stakes at del uh, at santa anita right here over this turf course and then they they won a race with him at the end of his two-year-old season, came back and tried the dirt a couple times. He was second in the Holy Bowl, fourth in the Fountain of Youth behind Greatest Honor. Then things went a little south for him. And he had an issue. He was sent to the bench for a while from March to October. Comes back in October, misses the break. And he closed you know, well. It was a yielding turf course. This will probably fit him a lot better. He's got a lot more positional speed. And a lot of times I think of it as uh, we see this in, I think, all levels of sports. It's, you know, you have a bad game or you miss – the break in a race and you're a speed horse I think you're going to be a lot more focused the next time On trying to at least get out of the gate And get forwardly placed I don't know if that means he's on the lead in here But he's got to be a lot closer than he was last time out Where they just, you know, just were not ready to rock And missed it, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I think they're going to try And then it's going to come down to if if he's good enough And I just, I don't think that he is Um, You know, he can maybe hold on for a little bit Just because he does have some tactical speed He's able to save ground He's got a very live rider in Hernandez Some positive intent with the connections That bought him at the sale in November Running in this spot um, Which is a very contentious spot Um, So a lot of ambition to kind of run in here 
So I think he's going to run, you know, an improved race, just whether he's good enough. I, I'm a little bit soft on him just in terms of a, a win contender. Couple others to uh, mention in this race. We 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 hit on them a little bit. I sort of had Zofarelli and Flashiest in a similar category. They faced each other. They've been in in a couple different uh, spots against each other. They wouldn't be a shock in here. They both are the type that you know the running styles are similar to where they need the right kind of trips. And sometimes they've you know you you can look through their running lines. They've gotten in trouble or they've gotten hooked a little bit wide. If they get the right kind of trip, they should be right there. Do you? You know, what do you think about those two and, and where do you have them sort of stacked in here? Yeah, I mean, if, I, if I'm splitting them, I, I prefer flashiest of the two. Um, I just I, I like his races better. Just overall, I think he is a classy horse. So the fact that he hasn't really improved on speed figures um, is just a little bit of a concern. But again, if you're getting compensated, uh, which you definitely need to with a closer regardless um, and, and cutting back in distance, though, so is finding some class relief. I prefer him of the two. I mean, Zoffirelli uh, has that off the pace running style. But outside of that, I mean, not that much in terms of excuse, just looks a little bit of a cut below just based on, you know, visually just where he kind of stacks up with this competition at that level. Um, so of the two, I, I would side flashiest. And then I thought Airman, he, he hadn't run since June, kind of maybe a couple O. Um, and then Cane Creek Road, you mentioned, he just sort of feels like a horse who's in this race to be paced. Did you think either of them had a, had a shot in here? Uh, no, I mean, Cane Creek Road, he's going to do his best work on the front end. Um, that's going to be their, their best hope in here, but just a little bit, a little bit soft overall. I mean, class makes a, a big change and he's going to come into this spot out of the claiming ranks. Um, was a maiden claiming winner, needs that kind of lone trip. Doesn't look like he's going to get a lone trip in here. Um, Airman, I think there's some ability w- with him. You know, he's kind of one of those horses where he runs his race, needs that pace, needs the right trip, needs an aggressive hand. Um, he was entered in the Hollywood Derby, scratched that day, um, and does have some upside from the trip back in June, where he just didn't get the best ride in traffic. So I think there's some upside there. I think he's more of an, an underneath player in here. And I think the other horse that we didn't mention, who I, I actually like quite a bit, is number nine, Law Professor. There we go. I was just going to say Inside Outside were the only two we hadn't talked really a whole lot about. So Law Professor, I agree. Go ahead, uh, Tell us a little while about why you like Law Professor. Yeah, I mean, I can go back with this horse even prior to his debut, um, just where they they had him nominated in some graded stakes races. So that's just sometimes an indication that they think that there's some quality. And then his debut just looked like a prep for getting more ground and then obviously improved. Getting Remember that race? That was, the, uh, the that was the Bezos race. And that was a loaded race that Dream Shake ended up winning. Bezos uh, was the... Really bazzy horse and that there was just like a A strong maiden special weight race That day I remember there were a bunch there and, and Dream Shake went right by him so that was like He'd always sort of been well meant This is a barn that's not that good first time Out either so you know they're going to really improve You know with some racing Yeah yeah I'm uh, I don't know about The quality of that race but, oh, but no, anyways, going I think it was race, more of it a, was a like a fuzzy, like he was, he was Yeah magical. it was like a buzzy race yeah, yeah, it meant to go longer, and he and he did just that. And then I think they just kind of hustled him a little bit, a little bit too quick into the Santa Anita Derby, where he was just wasted, just mentally and physically. That was just not his day. He was in trouble. But again, I just his visuals on the track before that race just told me it wasn't his day. Had a little bit of a setback. They brought him back on the turf, um, and he ran well. I mean, he's just been kind of on the improve. And then that was a. a 
dominant effort, in my opinion, back on November 27th at Del Mar, where he was in against older and in terms of like the race par, we use the optics figure range, which kind of says what it takes to uh, win a race at that condition. This is a similar race par to that race on November 27th. So if he's able to run a dominant effort in under similar conditions, um, he could run back you know, do the same once again, and just kind of looks like that's a that's a positive spot. And Ortiz sticks around and and gave him a good ride, even with the ground loss um, that day. Strong finish, mm-hmm. and I think that's what this horse needs. So a good fit, and I, I think this is as good a spot as any in a field that's that's pretty fuzzy for him to kind of keep up his momentum. You know what I like the fact that he's drawn wide, and the fact that we saw him with a wide journey last time out. If that's the a route they want to go, I don't. I hope they don't I don't want them to necessarily be quite as wide But because that was the type of trip like you were mentioning It's not the type of trip that generally wins on turf either Where you're that wide throughout You know you can kind of be wide for a little while You need a little cover But he was kind of four wide early He was five deep at the top of the lane And he just went by the field It was pretty impressive off the bench That was only his second start on the turf He's always flashed some ability early on They've always thought highly of him As you mentioned from even before he uh, he debuted He, you know, with the lightly raced on the turf factor The upside, second start off the, the five and a half month break So he has, you know, the ability to improve off of that It's going to be a month So it's not like he's wheeling back all that quickly either I think there are a lot of things to like about him As you said, there's a race where you have a, a questions about a lot If he just improves and takes a little step forward off of that That would stack him right with the best of these And he doesn't even really have to improve all that much Right, right Uh yeah, I mean, I guess the the one knock would be is if for some reason the public, you know, kind of fi- finds him as the wise guy horse, and all of a sudden he's favored. Then you know you're gonna have to uh, make some moves elsewhere. But um, yeah, that would be sort of my, my one knock is if that scenario tends to ha- could happen, um, which it, I mean it could happen. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and if we don't talk about him, I know he'll get into the winner circle. So we have to mention none above the law down down inside. Who won the Grade Two Delmar Derby a few starts back? He exits a dirt sprint last time out against Calbreds. He was inside, and um, you know we saw him behind Beyond Brilliant in the Twilight Derby and Subconscious that day. He did beat Flashiest though in the Delmar Derby and a couple others in here. What do you think about none above the law? I mean, if if you're keying off the Delmar Derby, he was just able to get such a perfect trip that day where Mm -hmm. he was able to save all the ground, had that perfect rail run. So just kind of had everything go his way in that race. And that's sort of been the, the pattern for him in the races that he's won. So yeah, I mean, he, maybe he saves ground today uh, and gets kind of that that set up and runs his best race. Certainly not out of the question, but again, it's kind of a lot of a lot of one ifs, and um, you know, we're still kind of waiting to see how the, the horses that are being, you know, Miller since being you know quote unquote retired, um, what those horses are going to do. And mm-hmm. it's been a small sample, so I'm not really willing to draw conclusions, but it is something to to kind of keep in mind at this point. Yep, to watch out for uh, Ruben Alvarado, who is taking over a lot of the Peter Miller runners now and is now the trainer listed for none above the law here in race number seven at Santa Anita on opening day. Let's move along to the La Brea, the grade one La Brea, race number eight, seven furlongs, three-year-old fillies in here. 
And we have Private Mission, who probably we'll start the conversation with. She's going to take a lot of money in this race. Emily, Private Mission was last in the Breeders' Cup distaff facing older, and she was part of that wicked, wicked pace. In fact, she was really the uh, the culprit. She was the one from the inside who cleared off early, going to sub-45 half, and uh, they went very fast. The rest of the uh, early pace players were kind of all done in that race. She's... Run really well at Santa Anita. She's a perfect three for three, and she's proven that she can sit off a little bit in you know the mile and the race going a mile and a sixteenth. So the cutback to seven furlongs shouldn't really hurt her. She's one sprinting at six and six and a half. I mean, she's got a lot of ability, and if they go a little bit too fast and she has to deal with a ton of other pace in some races, she, you know, she's probably not going to win, or she'll you know she'll be up against it. You know, this race, I guess the conversation probably has to start with her back against three-year-olds, getting a little relief. She's the one that most people are going to look to, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, we, we discussed this race when it was the uh, the Breeders' Cup distaff and discussed that pace scenario and why she just really didn't fit in that race, like in any possible way, didn't set up for her. She wasn't quite fast enough. There just wasn't, there really wasn't any advantage. So drawing a line through that race for multiple reasons um, is it, it, super easy to do. And and clearly this is a better spot. I mean, just in terms of her physicality, she's always kind of presented more as a one-turn type. So I think that this is that this is a good spot for her. Um, and so overall, just the way that this race kind of shakes up, um, she she fits. You know, she's kind of I don't know maybe the horse to beat just based on her current form and based on her speed figures and based on her running style. There's there's really no knocks in this field that maybe is a little bit. A little bit soft for for a grade one type race. Yeah, I agree. Um, because sort of look at the the ones that you want to try to to beat her with, right? There's there's nothing to knock recently in the last couple about what living my best life has done. She's a, a you know a filly who is in her last two races, uh, September the twenty fourth. She opened up early. She was always at least a length clear. She crushed um, November the third. She crossed over from the outside. She opened up two. She was never tested. She held off the one to two favorite Moonlight Dioro, I believe, was coming off of a a, a graded stakes win. So, I mean, she's from the drawn from the outside. She's cutting back from the mile to seven furlongs. She's pretty quick. For her, they got to try to at least cross over and get in front of of Private Mission. You know, that would be their best opportunity to to steal this race, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's what they they have to do. Um, and she's been lone in those races that she's been able to win. It, it doesn't even look like even if she clears, she's going to get pace pressure. She, she's not going to be lone. There's some other ones that that kind of have to go and have a little bit more class and speed. Um, that this is this is a big a big test a yeah. big test for her in this spot. Yeah. And just and I mean, has to get quicker. You know, yep. she's been given those lone trips and she's still just in terms of speed figures is a little bit soft, especially in comparison to, you know, private mission. Yeah, Calypso is you know probably one of those horses drowned on the inside who's going to have to show a little bit of speed in here. Uh, has not raced since April, so probably f- fresh and maybe of the Baffert. You know, you have a couple of Bafferts. I don't know if they're both going to be running at each other, but this one, y- you imagine they want to at least be forwardly placed. Their brilliant cut isn't exactly slow. And then you got Missy P even, you know, who who could be, you know, more forwardly placed than she was on the turf last time out. So I think there's probably going to be, like you said, at least a couple others in here who want to be close to it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that living my best life has, has any advantage um, in, t- in today's race. Um, you know, starting with Missy P, 
um, just sort of as you know, looking for alternatives. Um, her debut was was obviously really impressive, and she hasn't had quite the opportunity to to run back to that race. Um, even her, her place finish, uh, her her stablemate won that race. Was a four horse field won the race on the front end, and then they went on the turf, which was just so curious against the boys. Like why it was just such an odd spot yeah. for her. That was like it was just negative, just all around. It was like why would you run there? There's just something that just didn't. Didn't seem right and then she had to lay off that followed she looks good in her in her works coming back and it just is it's such a change i mean if you just look at the placement it's like running on the turf against boys like so odd and now she's against phillies in a grade one so there's probably a little bit more confidence with her in this race and she has that debut to run back to um that where she, even if she runs back to that race she could win and if she can improve off that then she can certainly win so i think she has to be taken seriously in here though um having your confidence a little bit shaky is also probably uh smart as well yeah like you said everything about that uh june race it was just why this weird spot in this race against the boys and then you're just like immediately in traffic down on the inside and you get shuffled it was just and then you're off for a while comes back she got a, a seven furlong work in just uh just recently too which was a uh, kind of intriguing there to get a little fitness for Missy P who hasn't run since June but Mandela seemed you know confident and just sort of looking at this spot like you said it's not the strongest group in the world so no, and, and if, again i mean her her debut race is as strong as other than a couple of those races for private mission and where she's just a couple points behind um you know it's better than faster horses in this race. Yeah, and the thing with private mission too, like you were mentioning with some of the others, if she just sort of threw in a flat race coming out of the Breeders' Cup, it wouldn't be all that shocking for some of these horses that we've seen who are sort of pointed towards the Breeders' Cup race. You know, she was a horse who she didn't look like she was going to shape up all that well, but she was only ten to one. You know, in the distaff, it wasn't as if she was some hopeless long shot in there. Um, she was a horse well, who had, would, yeah. you know, I mean, the prep. public is the public can make mistakes. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like she she didn't have a, a chance to win based on the shape, but she you know she was coming in off of winning the local prep and and coming in off of back to back graded stakes races. So that was definitely like the, the the place they wanted her. Um, but you know you wonder sometimes with her, like you said, she's a sprinter. This maybe was something they had in the back of their mind too. Is like okay, yeah, that doesn't work out. We can definitely go to the uh, the La Brea here. Um. She she figures, but I wouldn't be shocked if she even, you know, if she was a little short, if you did see a version of this race where that happened. The the horse who I'm also a little intrigued by, I just sort of wish she wasn't drawn inside or she was drawn a little more to the outside is canoodling. I don't, you know, I have no idea how good she is. And this is a, a tough test, but beyond private mission and Missy P, the rest of this field it isn't like a classy group. And those two kind of seem from a class standpoint to me. A little bit of a cut below the uh, a cut above the rest. Now, Canoodling beat a horse named Casual, who came back to win a, a stakes at Remington, and is kind of you know a a stakes type, not like really a graded stakes type. And she, you know, she actually only lost in her, her last five starts when facing the boys. Seven furlongs shouldn't really be a problem for her. Like things fit for her. I just you know this is a really big test for her, and then the draw kind of concerns me. Um, yeah, I, I have just have uh, questions all around. I mean, she's obviously improved as of late, but if you go back to her races on the circuit prior, um, she just wasn't running nearly as fast. So sometimes it's tough to, you know, those numbers could be a little bit inflated when they go to New Mexico or somewhere like that. Yeah, we see that all the time. 
Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's just, you know, it's something to just kind of keep in mind because in terms of speed figures, if you're looking at them just on paper, you'd be like, yeah, she, she fits, you know, with this group. Um, visually uh, there 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 are some concerns as well in those last two races she stumbled out of the st- she stumbled out of the gate on um september 18th and obviously it's just kind of much the best that day but she shied when they hit her right-handed she just like ducked in and okay you know that can happen from time to time but she did it again on uh november 23rd so it's one of those things like you do it once it's a one-off you do it twice you're like this is a habit and And you know she gets into a stretch drive where they're obviously going to have to use a stick um against really nice horses straightest line for that extra furlong and that's where class comes into play so there there are some things that just concern me from from that perspective especially if people kind of look at her as well this is the new face coming in and you know wanting to to get creative and find an alternative which i will never fault anybody for doing but that could just make her short in here yeah let's uh i mean anyone else eddie's new dream is cross entered and also entered in the uh the final race on the card and uh a calbred who was going along on the turf last time out will cut back to the main and then brilliant cut in here i kind of feel like both of them will be you know if they're in this race so some of the longer prices in the field yeah as, as they should be just a, a little bit cut below Okay, cool. Let's move to the next graded stakes race on the card, which is race number 10. They put the ninth race, which is a a race down the hill in uh, between all those. It's a solid betting race. But let's get into the 10th race, which is the the Malibu seven furlongs in here. And Emily, we have uh, a couple really, really quality horses who have some big races in them. Flightline, who is two for two. Milo is uh, waking up in the background. You might be able to hear him. uh, (laughs) He's he's up. Hey, buddy. (laughs) As uh, the... uh, the flight line two for two and we've not seen him in a while you know he has a, a win and then he's spaced out from april to september comes back in september he's obviously been awesome you can't really knock his wins he's got huge figures and doing so we don't really know what he's beat he's beat a horse named escape room last time out who's in an allowance race um on the undercard here they had high hopes for him he was over he was a million dollar purchase what do you think about flight line here let's start with him Oh, I mean, he's 100% the horse to beat in this race. He just looks, I mean, his races are, they're not just good. I mean, they're, you, you just don't see efforts like that. And I mean, you can do the whole, like, who did he beat? But you could, I think you could have put almost any horse in this country behind him and he's still going to win those races. He's just so, he's just been so impressive. Um, and there's really no knock. I mean, obviously you can, you know, the spacing between races, but that kind of seems like, you know, that's, that has to happen for a reason. Um, and based on the merits of his races, he is head and tail the horse to beat in here and then could just have a major pace advantage um, in this race, just where he's he's quicker, he's faster. Um, and if he's out in front and clear, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know where they're going to be able to run this guy down. He's just, he's so good. Um, so, I mean, I, I have no knocks on flight line in this race um, to this point. I mean, he's a special horse. I wasn't, like you said, I wasn't sure if there's anyone just kind of looking around, you know, are, um, are they good enough to, to kind of go with them and classy enough and fast enough? Because we've seen some horses show a little bit of speed, but I mean, baby Yoda draws the rail. He's going to be forced a little bit. We can talk about him in a second. You have Dr. Chevelle, who's obviously, I mean, super good. He was running up in the Breeders' Cup last time out in the sprint. It was probably a, kind of a soft edition of the sprint, but he he still came back and he beat a horse named Following C, who beat Baby Yoda, if you're playing the uh, the common rival game. 
but again, he's you know, he's not really fast. He has that the race two back where he sort of got the lead because the rain broke and then he just kind of sent up uh, along the inside and he had a nice run through. He's quality, but can I mean, who do we think is even quick enough, if any, to go early with flight line? Anyone no, that's that, what I'm saying is I don't yeah, like anybody. I, so, um, I mean, you're just, you know, you're looking at a horse that, you know, it's like, you don't always say like the best horse wins the race, you know, you have to put in other factors in, in this race, but I mean, just in terms of pace, he should have a pace advantage. Um, you know, obviously he's not coming off at a tough effort, you know, taxing effort. He's had plenty of time uh, between starts. It's like, you know, he's the fastest horse. He's deserving of this class test, and he has a pace advantage. I mean, this is when you talk about, you know, a legit favorite. He's a legit favorite in this race. So there are a couple other quality runners. Let's hit on them real quick. Uh, the Baffert horse to the outside, that's the brother to American Pharaoh, half-brother. I know you're a big pedigree fan, so uh, full two grade one winner <laughs> also uh, chasing yesterday. But he's obviously shown some ability on the track, too. Um, and he, back in March... It was a race where there were only four horses And so he was the the best horse in the race They just got aggressive with him And kind of treated it like a workout And he, he beat the field that he was better than He cruised, he beat a horse named Barraza Who came back to win like a maiden $80,000 claimer And then on November the 5th He came off the bench And he settled uh, quite a bit more That probably is what he wants to do More honestly, he sort of seemed pretty comfortable Settling, and it was impressive He got a nice setup that day, they were flying So it was just a perfect Perfect race shape for him I mean, He's got some quality but I just like You said it's it's just If somebody does the dirty work And maybe he gets gets the benefit of You know flight line just not wanting to go Seven furlongs or him not being nearly as good As we've seen in either of those two races I think then you start you know kind of Getting everybody else involved I don't I mean, if I, okay let's 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 put it this way if we're trying to beat flight line and we we don't know right now if that's the, the right thing to do it doesn't really look like it who would be the other horses and kind of how how would they win the race yeah i i'm 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 straight up not trying to beat flight line no no so yeah. i mean that's that's Me, just, that's yeah. out of the question so um if he gets so beat people, so how does people, he get beat? like if we take that scenario where people are trying to beat flight line they're going to use dr chevelle and triple tap and i don't think either of those horses are as good as flight line and then therefore they're going to be shorter prices so there's no there's no value on either of those two horses now if you want to you know start to, to get creative and go elsewhere that's fine but even if you're playing exotics like and and you like flight line it's like you're going to be playing what the the horse that everybody thinks everybody is the second play. pick and yeah. the third pick to him which which isn't that exciting i mean triple tap you know it's kind of had the same the same types of breaks as flight line. So if you're gonna you know hold that against one, hold it against the other. But um, I just you know for triple tap after his maiden win to take that much time off is a little bit more concerning just because <clears throat> he didn't have any he didn't have any excuse. He didn't look like he was taxed. It wasn't really like the you know it's not really the the Baffert style. They usually like go to a grace. And then he had a setup last time out. So he's just gonna be a short price and then. Bell, I mean, he's obviously he's he's improved, especially in my opinion, where he had some favorable trips where I was just, you know, I couldn't really quite get excited about him. He's kind of made me 
somewhat of a believer, but again, we kind of go back to what we said earlier about horses that are that are pointed to the Breeders' Cup, and obviously, you know, this is this is a, a prime race that he can certainly compete in off his current form. But he's gonna have to stretch out again, and maybe he has to run a little bit closer to flight line. And just if he's a little bit over the top, it has to do that extra furlong. It has to try to keep the pace of flight line. I mean, he could get past late. And he's going to be, you know, again, like those two horses that people are going to kind of fall on by default, um, you know, in this race. And I mean, I just kind of I don't think either of those horses are horses like one. I'm not trying to beat Flightline with. And two, if I'm playing exotics, which I don't know if that's even an option, they're horses I wouldn't be trying to use. No, because you're doubling up with using those horses. Yeah. You're doubling and tripling up in a race with the same horses. You know, you'd be better off. I guess there would, you know, Timeless Bounty and Team Mergence are kind of the, the, you know, longer shots that I couldn't get to. I mean, if I can Stiletto- get to Team, Mer- I can get to okay, team t- Merchants. Tell us, I, tell us Team Merchants. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Team Merchants to me is a horse that I think is better going one turn. I think his class was able to yep. carry in the, in the Let It Ride. And um and then he was obviously a little bit exposed just all around in terms of timing and distance and that just wasn't the right spot for him. So the fact that that race, uh, the Hollywood Derby, is kind of more of a, a workout for him, he comes back in this spot and he has races that are, that are fast um, and and races at the the one turn sprint and distance that fit. And he's certainly a horse that if you're you know trying to get a horse in for underneath, I have a hard time making the case for him to beat Flightline, but certainly a horse that can finish second or third um that gets overlooked um you know absolutely we uh we and, got, then, uh, and then i'll mention in kind of in the same conversation the little boy where ken disormo has figured out some amazing way to figure out how to ride this horse for second and third it might do mm-hmm. the same once again right um, yeah and timeless cut back he'll be he'll be fit cutting back so if he's kind of up close can just kind of keep grinding along not up close but he'll be able to just sort of grind along with some others that maybe they get outrun if they're trying to to be in chase mode. Well, yeah, I guess what I'm saying, I'll, maybe I'll say it a little bit better, is they they might just try to ride him for second and third. Yeah, sure. Where they're not trying to win this. They're not trying to win the race. They're not trying to you know grind along, but position tactically enough to just get a check. From and just from a pure his last three races, the only horses that he have been behind: Medina Spirit, Rock Your World, Nick's Go, Essential Quality, and Hot Rod Charlie. It's not bad company to have been finishing behind. That's all. That's the only horses who have beaten him in those races. So he has a finish in front of a horse like Express Train, who we were talking about a little bit earlier. Two starts back, kind of a uh, yeah, maybe an underneath horse. And then we've got Grogu down on the inside, um, Baby Yodes, who had that huge race back at Saratoga, got the monster number that day, and then he's come back since in back-to-back races. And yeah, I mean, you can look at them and they have some trouble, uh, but. I don't know. You you just would have expected a lot more from him. It's one of those things where I don't know if it's, you know, did the race take something out of him? Was it just the circumstance that day where he sort of freaked? The race actually came back sort of live where there were a couple next out winners that both came back to win first level allowance. But, uh, you know, what do you do with uh, with Baby Yoda down inside here? Um, Yeah, I mean, he kind of falls into that same conversation as far as uh, Triple Tap and and Dr. Chevelle where, you know, people try to go, well, he does have that one race that would, you know, put him right kind of there with flight line. Maybe not, but maybe they want to make that case. Okay. Whatever. Um, but again, it just, you know, it comes down to me in, in terms of trip and a horse that has a tendency to break slow, even if it's just a step slow, which baby Yoda tends to do, um, and has the rail that could just be tough in, in terms of a trip. And especially if they try to rush, 
and, and then get into a position where they're chasing flight line. Um, you know, maybe that just, you know, that takes something out of him. Because even if it, on his races where he's been up close to the pace, they're pretty soft early paces. Um, and if he's on a fast early pace, it's just kind of something we haven't really seen. Um, maybe the Pimlico race is like the closest to that. So, um, yeah, he's just kind of one of those horses. It's, you know, not not one I'm overly excited excited about. Yeah. Um, especially if you're just kind of keying off one the the one race um, in his career. Yeah, maybe we see a monster in flight line here, but I, I was kind of with you. I just couldn't. I, I, I'm always would love to try to beat a horse like flight line that I think is going to take a ton of money. I just I wasn't really excited about the alternatives in here to to beating him. And you know what? Sometimes it's just not worth forcing it. Kind of see the the way the rest of the sequences play out after we get the scratches and we see some of the other prices and stuff. But yeah, I'm kind of with you in that like. This might not be one of the days where I'm interested in maybe playing some of the multi exotics connecting this race because he just might not be worth playing on on the win end or singling where everybody else is singling and then you're in the position where then you're just sort of like begging for some prices in other races and you know it's who knows it might not be the best approach so I'll I'll probably take a wait and see on that one as uh, we're still a few days out there but some real quality in here. With flight line as we get to the final race and the final graded stakes on the day, it's the grade one American Oaks. Oh, you know what? Gotta mention because we didn't. Timeless Bounty, he's up against it. He's a 12 5 claimer in August. Shout to him who comes back and wins the $250,000 uh, stakes at uh, Mahoning. He actually beat Baby Yoda in that race last time out. So they're probably looking at this field. Like you know, a lot of the people are uh, that are entered races uh, horses in this card and thinking, hey, maybe we can we can somehow work out a trip and and get a piece and finish behind uh, one of these freak shows in the in a race like this behind flight line. If he just runs off the page, maybe we can be a well beaten third in here. Yeah, yeah, and I they he got the setup last time out, had the pace. Um, yeah, really has to prove it in terms of of class and against this field. Claimer, actually, Baby Yoda was a ten thousand dollar claimer too. So a couple horses who are early uh, low level claimers that are uh, going to be taking a shot against Graded Stakes Company here as we get to the American Oaks race number eleven mile and a quarter on the turf course. So we will sort of start with Going Global, who is really really honest. This three year old filly, she comes in off of back to back Graded Stakes wins. Two back, she won the Grade One Del Mar Oaks. She's never gone a mile and a quarter, but she has won three times at the mile and an eighth. And she's super handy, kind of maneuverable. You can kind of do a few different things with her, starting with going global as a horse who I imagine is going to take a, a lot of support in here. What are some of your thoughts on her? Yeah, I mean, for all those reasons, she she certainly fits in this race, but you just, you know, it comes down to value that she's going to be the favorite in this race, doing something different for the first time. She has had some favorable trips. Um, certainly a race that, you know, Closing out this sequence, I'm gonna have some coverage on. I'm not. I'm not against her. I don't really have any big knocks other than the fact that it's you know something new in a short price uh, in a race where there where there are alternatives. So I'm I'm kind of interested in um, Burgu Alley a little bit in here, just the way the, that I'm seeing the the race shape up, and I'm hoping that she gets some aggressive handling. She's actually won on the lead sprinting, and if she's asked really at all. I think she might be able to clear off and take them as far as she can go. And she's going to be stretching out from a mile to a mile and a quarter. So, you know, we don't really know if she wants to go quite this far. But 
I hope that's how she's handled Because that to me is at least where she gets the advantage She's improving She'll have to take another step forward And continue to improve here But you know, I, I look at her recent form you know the two back race she missed the break A little bit she was kind of down in a, in a tough spot She was inside she got kind of backed up Into the third flight that was going down the hill So this is a much different trip than that one And other than that she doesn't really Have a whole lot to knock I even like When I see that horses are able to flip You know Javonica who beat her a couple Starts back she was able to turn the tables on that one What do you think about a horse like Burgu Alley Maybe trying to get aggressive out here Um you know I, I- I don't really have any knocks with her overall, um, and maybe she gets a favorable trip. I just thought there were others I just liked a little bit more, um, you know, for this particular race. I have a hard time, you know, even if even if she clears, it's just such a different game, you know, clearing going 10 furlongs than it is in a sprint um, and being able to hold late. It's just it's a lot. It's a lot to ask, you know, coming off a layoff. She's stepping up in class, you know, there. There's just a, a lot in here, sure. but she hasn't done she hasn't done a lot wrong. So she would be no surprise. If, I wouldn't, if she, you know, I'm not going to like talk you off of her or no, no. that likes her for, you know, those reasons. If she sits the type of trip she sat last time, I'm not going to really like her chances as much. I want more of an aggressive ride. Like she's not going to be able to sit going 10 furlongs, I think, and then try to kick with some of these horses who are much more distance type. She, her advantage will be, hey, everybody gets kind of, you know, a little passive early, you look around Nobody's really all that proven As a speed horse, and then she gets You know, a few lengths out front, she gets brave We see it sometimes, like you said She has a lot of questions to answer in here But make sure you're rewarded Again, we're doing this before the prices are out If she's like a short price, that's not a horse I'd want But if she's giving you some nice value in here Then, you know, she's not a bad horse That you'd have closing in some of your late exotics Or at least a horse in underneath spots Who could uh, maybe do some dirty work And hang around late Let's talk about some of the others because going global, you know, quality, but she's not fun on the win end as a horse who's going to be a short priced. What about nicest who kind of has a, an interesting profile coming in here? Third start in the U.S. Mike McCarthy, who you mentioned earlier, could be primed for a big day. She's going to be in a, a lot of my exotics in this spot. What do you think about her chances here? Well, McCarthy has four horses in this field, so I think it's important to kind of talk about these horses. Sure, let's let's talk about them all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, she, you know, she has some upside um, just kind of overall, but. She hasn't quite shown enough just from a a standpoint in those graded stakes races to really give a strong push as a as a main contender at this point where, you know, she does have some some overall things to like. There's just others in that group that I'm a little bit more excited about the fact that she has been, you know, they've been putting her in the longer races and at the graded stakes level is encouraging. But at the same time, in those races, she hasn't quite she hasn't quite done enough. Um, I guess I'll just kind of go in order of the McCarthy horses. So charges dropped on um, is one of those horses. That I think, you know, as far as if you're, you're designing the trip, I think she's going to be kind of similar to Burgu alley where she's been more effective when she is a little bit more forwardly placed and considering the barn does have multiple horses in here and she was held up off the pace. Oh, uh, uh, last out. She kind of waited. The winner made that first run. Those two kind of finished together. So I think they kind of from that in terms of the change in distance going to be a little bit more aggressive with her where she's been more effective. And then again, just has to improve because 
this is a step up. Um, she hasn't been running it. She, this will be her first grade and stakes attempt altogether. Um, Queen Goddess has some upside. I think she could be a live horse in here that's a little bit under the radar in this spot. Um, she does have the experience in the grade one race, um, getting back over firm turf, coming off a wide trip at Del Mar, which, as you mentioned earlier, those wide trips do not often win. They're often not no. good trips. So she could have a, a bit of a change in here. Hernandez is certainly familiar with her. He's been she, she on be her aggressive for those uh, on the board finishes and just could be one of those horses where she's not overly flashy. Um, she's uh, could be a little bit on the slower side, I guess, you know, if you're going to go that direction where you're going to get compensated in terms of price. Then the one I'm most interested in is number 11, Single Soul on the outside, where she just didn't get a trip at all. Um, last out at Del Mar in the red carpet, that was just not a good ride in a five-horse field where she was wrangled back. It was a lone flow winner. Uh, Jose Ortiz is going to get back aboard. He's been the key with her in the past, and she has some stamina as well. So she has stamina. She has class. She has that tactical speed. Even though she's drawn outside, Ortiz just – you know, has the ability to kind of put horses in the race. And if it's kind of mentioned the scenario that you think the pace is going to get a little bit softer, then maybe that will help single soul because they do start this race gonna going down the hill, which kind of can sometimes help outside horses a little bit. So we got through the uh, McCarthy runners there. Yeah, you mentioned Queen Goddess too. She's just one that I've always been kind of high on from the beginning, you know, one that you follow along and you just kind of watch all of her races and she's another, you're sort of looking at horses who may have the chance to just get aggressive and maybe be more forwardly placed. That could absolutely be her in here. Them thinking, you know what, let's try to just get a really good, secure, a good spot. She's been, that's been her best when she's been tracking and not too far out of it. So yeah, that wouldn't be a, a shock there. And it's getting cold out here, Emily. I mean, I'm in Southern California and you know, when it gets like under 50, I'm absolutely freezing right now. I have my fluffy socks on. Um, so what are we thinking about uh, fluffy socks in this op- in this spot? Um, I, you know, I mean, I think that they're obviously, you know, shipping out, trying to find a softer spot for a grade one race for her. That was sort of the, the intention running in the grade, uh, grade one Del Mar Oaks, where she ran well in that race, didn't have the best trip in terms of traffic. Um, I think she's she's a good individual. She's coming into this race the right way. It was a great effort in the Sands point. So, you know, she has the most. She has some upside coming into this race. It's just going to be whether she's she's good enough at this level. Um, and then, you know, just in terms of distance, it's something new for her as well. But it's she's kind of like, um, you know, similar to, I guess, Burgu Alley, the alternative that you came up with, um, with maybe a, even a little bit more foundation, just where she's going to have to prove that she's good enough and then to get a trip. And then uh, core values next door seems to be a little in tough. Do you, can you make a case for for her in here? Um, you know, for the win end, it's it's a bit of a stretch, but but there are some things to like about her. She's kind of one of those horses that that is improving. I think they're running here not to necessarily find a softer grade one, um, but to find firmer turf course because I think that's what she wants. She didn't handle the slop at Indiana. It seems to be a little bit off of those yielding turf courses. Not her ideal where she broke slow at Kentucky Downs and then was against the flow, being a little bit rank on the inside at Keeneland. So I think they want to get her back on firm turf. And then she's just, she's kind of one of those horses that she never really looks like she's, she's good enough to win and then does. So that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. like freak me out because yeah. she's going to be a big price. And she's, Distance she's is no problem for her. You know, she shouldn't have any issue with that. 
with either what, with distance. Year? She shouldn't have any issue with the distance in here, you know, going the mile and a quarter or anything like that. Yeah, she's kind of like a, a sneaky one to not have if she's if she gets a trip and she starts to, you know, build up some momentum late in this race, she might be kind of a little bit scary, you know, coming down. I you, you might want to have her in some in some spots at least underneath. Um and then what about next door with closing remarks here? Her Yeah, um closing remarks. I mean, she's she's kind of been against some of these in the past and you know, she's she has some quality to her. I don't think the distance is going to be a, be a problem, but just kind of overall, she's been just a little bit exposed when she's at this this level. And as we mentioned, maybe a little bit softer for a grade 1, so maybe that helps her out a little bit. But um, you know, if you just kind of compare like core values um to closing remarks, they're kind of coming I'm sorry, not core values. Um well, I guess similar. They're coming out of a, a yielding turf course at Keeneland. Um, I, you know, I could kind of get to core values a little bit more just in terms of, you know, value and upside there where closing remarks, we, we've just sort of seen what she can do and it hasn't quite been good enough as far as to win. So I think we gone through everybody except for um, Ivy League and Eddie's new dream. Let's uh, give a mention on either one of those. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, they kind of make the same case. I think they're both just a, a little bit below. Um, uh, they're both quality, have some quality in their own right, but just not not crazy about this spot for either of them. Emily, you are so awesome. I, uh, I asked you for, you know, help on some of the stakes. We went definitely over an hour here, which is great because I'm going to just do this. Uh, this I'm going to get this out early, like right away after we're done, hopefully in like the next hour or two after we finish up. So that way people can hear. I know people have holiday stuff. So if I do it on the podcast, they can listen while they're driving and, uh, you know, cooking food or doing any last minute shopping and running around. And uh, you're always so prepared and you help us so much here. We uh, very, very lucky to have you each and every time you do. So on Twitter is, you know, Make sure you follow Emily on Twitter because that's where you'll get to find out a lot of the, uh, you know, the stuff that she's doing. She'll share there a lot of the content that she has. You can find so at Emily Optics EQ on Twitter. Make sure you go there, flip those notifications on. You'll you'll get uh, alerted anytime she's got you know new stuff, new content coming out. And then give us a reminder again of uh just you know some of the important stuff coming out in the next couple of days for you. Yeah, so Optics EQ. Uh- Definitely check out there. The weekend package will have all the notes for all the tracks in this big weekend. So that's certainly value. Um, that'll get you covered for the week for 50 bucks. Um, let's see, where else? Um, a Patreon that certainly like helps me out as a content creator and then motivates me to do the live Twitch streams. Um, and putting out some content there and doing some videos um, over on, on Twitch this weekend. So the link to that um, is on my Twitter handle as well. Emily. Merry Christmas. Thank you so, so much again. We really appreciate it. I mean, I can't even think about when I stop to think about how many times like per year you come on. We basically have you at like once a month or so and you help us out with everything and we get into it. There's probably few people that I am able to kind of have the, you know, horse by horse conversation, throw them out there. You can respond to everything. You know, the trips of all these horses, you know who they faced, you know, a a little bit of everything. So um, again, I can't thank you enough every time you help us out. And I will always encourage people to head on over. Emily is one of my favorite people to talk racing. I uh, have all the people that uh, come on the show to handicap. I think as highly of Emily as any one of them. So um, we're very, very lucky uh, that she comes on and helps us out. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate the kind words. Have a good holiday, everybody. Emily Gollickson, one of the absolute best out there. Make sure to check out all of her work there as uh, you heard the the places you can go to follow along. So don't go anywhere, folks. We're going to wrap this up and uh, we'll give you some more information on really cool stuff happening and some free contest opening day at Santa Anita.
Such a wealth of information, always from Emily. Great stuff from her. Make sure to give her a follow and check out all the content that she has. Whenever she's posting stuff, you know that she's done the homework and that you're going to get a, a really good run for your money when you uh, when you back uh, the uh, the runners that she's uh, she's kind of directing you towards. So great stuff, Emily. Good luck to Emily on the uh, opening day card at Santa Anita. Good luck to all of you. And remember, check out. The social media, Twitter, it's me, Gino B. I will have a couple different live streams. One that goes through the card and shows you the past performances from DRF. A lot of the stuff that we just talked about, but I'll actually get to show you it on the past performances. Race replay, some charts, and some of the reasons why I got to some of these horses. And then we'll do the Sanity to pick them live stream to help set you up to show you how to get involved in those contests. They're free. We'll have a video out to show you about the the show Viver, how to get in there, and we'll also have stuff for Stable Duel because they're going to have Sanity to contest. I just talked with Bree, so yeah, we will uh, have some Sanity to Stable Duel stuff. Also, great, great racing coming up in Southern California this weekend over at Santa Anita. Good luck, and we will have a lot more coming up this week. We'll talk some Santa Anita Monday. We'll talk NFL Week 16. Wow. And uh, we'll get into wrestling with Chad Cooper. We'll have Hawkeye coming up a little later on this week, the season finale too. So much going on. And that's what she said.